Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adil Amarsi Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adil Amarsi. And today I'm actually pleased and pleasure. There's so much pleasure in my heart right now to actually have this person on the show because they were supposed to be on a month ago and then there was a timing conflict. And just put it this way, I'm excited because this person actually pioneered the concept that I was unaware of uh, that he pioneered that I thought I was breaking ground in. And I was in a way in the copywriting world, but in all honesty, this person is such a badass. I'm glad I could interview them and they weren't mean to me about it because, I, I, you know, Nick Nanton is the man and that's who we got on the show today. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, Nick, you can answer this. Most businesses, if you tell them, hey guys, I have a very similar name to yours, but in different, like in a slight different marketplace teaching something like not entirely different, but in a different way. Yep. How quickly do companies actually freak out and try and like shut that competition down? I mean, it's it's a case by case scenario because, like, first of all, in business, you have you have to be smart, right? I mean, you literally have to play your cards smart because no matter how good of a person you want to be, you know, you you have to eat, right? So let, let's go to like the like Maslow's hierarchy. So like, I don't know, like uh, battery juice, then Wi-Fi, then. <laughs> you know, <laughs> food and shelter. Right. And so, um, you, you gotta be smart, but so, you know, to me, it's always, it's always, it's always worked out in my best interest to just have a conversation with somebody and see what makes sense. Because I, I mean, I have met a few people in my business career who really would just have to screw everyone. Yeah. Uh, they just were out only for themselves, but, but it's few and far between. And I like, if I thought most people were like that, if I thought even a, more than a handful of people like that, I'd sort of lose faith in humanity. So I choose not to, not to subscribe to that. Agreed. And I found that mo- most people, if you, if when given the opportunity to, to respond fairly and responsibly, they take that opportunity. Now, if they don't, then I think that's when, uh, I think that that's when you could, you escalate things as you need to, to protect yourself. But for instance, you, know, you, you learned about what I was doing and you approached me. And so it's like, okay, this guy's not trying to hide. And he's like, hey, here's the thing. What, sort of, what do you want to do? And so, you know, I told you that the truth, which is, you know, I wasn't even able to secure the trademark for story selling myself. And so I've got a lot of stuff in the marketplace, but, you know, I, I too am working on, on how do I protect it all? What do I do to build my brand? How do I make sure it's not, you know, it's a lasting thing? So I think you just have to work on the reasonable person standing. Oh, to be fair, and I think that's probably the best advice you can have is like, as long as you're, and I don't use this phrase, it can be taken wrongly, but it isn't. Essentially, as long as you come correct to the person, you'll be fine. As long as you're respectful about it and like, hey man, what do you want to do? How do we, how do we play this out? Because the crazy thing is, and I don't know if I can reveal this to everyone just yet, but I hope I can. Uh, I actually asked you to do like a small module for my actual course, which is Story Style and Blueprint. Um, and be like, if, that, if anything, that's more of a joining of a JV because, again, I'm not your direct competition. If anything, I'm collaboration to bring people towards right. you because you work mm. at a, you personally, from what I understand, you work at a high level than I do. Um, and what I mean by that for everyone, it's like, oh, levels. No, it's basically the people that Nick works with are not the people I work with. And I don't like, he, he does work with some of the people I work with, but for the mass majority, his people are not going to work with me because we're in two different areas of what we're looking at. That being said, however, let's kick this show off because what we were actually discussing right before we came on there is how uh, came on there was uh, how the coronavirus uh, is actually affecting um, businesses worldwide because a lot of people are actually like freaking out. We've had two trade halts this week already. Uh, the U.S. stock market is down. The U.K. <clears throat> stock market is down, and we were thinking how long it'll take to recover. Personally, as I said, I think it'll take six weeks. What's your take, Nick? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure that out. So I'm a consummate optimist. Like I, so, so the bad news is like, uh, in the real estate crash we had here in 08 caught completely blindsided because I'm like, Oh, it'll just pass. And so in this case, I'm pretty much the same. I'm not someone who subscribes to, you know, to terror or panic. Um, but what I am seeing is for, I, I don't know. I don't understand the science enough. I just posted a thing on my good friend, Peter Diamandis, who I mean, you guys have heard of him wrote the bold but bold abundance. He has a new book out called the future is faster than you think. Brilliant futurist thinker went to mm-hmm. MIT and Harvard, got his MD and masters and whatever in genetics and what his MD is a physician just so he could go to space um, is really what he wanted to do. But so, so I followed him for years. I did his documentary called visioneer and he shared a thing from another, a, uh, a, a infectious disease specialist from Harvard. And the guy said a lot, like a lot of really, 
valid stuff like, hey, don't panic. Here's what to do. He's like, I have not only am I having to deal with a lot of stuff at work now, I have to deal with a lot of questions from family and friends. So I'm just going to post like my questions and answers from family and friends to this blog and hopefully it'll be helpful. And so it was really good. And like one of the questions was like, I'm supposed to go to Australia next week. Should I go? And his and his answer was absolutely yes, unless it's unless it will ruin your time. Like unless you won't have fun because you're too worried. And like, but then like the two, three days, he he sent that out last Friday, Peter did. And since like, since then, you know, we now see in the U.S., you know, the NBA has postponed all regular season games. We've seen that the NCAA college basketball tournament has now gone without fans. And now today they're being urged to shut down the entire tournament and postpone it until later. Wow. We've seen, we've seen South by Southwest go. We've seen, so we've seen like these massive events uh, in the film business, we're getting ready for Tribeca. We're, you know, we just lost South by Southwest. We're seeing these massive events cancel, which um, are very different than what all of us, most of us do. Like, I don't do massive events. California just uh, made Tony Robbins postpone uh, his ultimate power, UPW, uh, in a stadium. So you have these, you have these big events canceling, and it really doesn't affect most of us on a day-to-day, but at what point will it? And so like, that's the question I have. Like if, if we sort of have to go, I don't even think we're gonna have to go on lockdown. I I don't see that. I I do understand. And again, I think everyone is starting to understand more daily. Um, But I think, you know, I do understand if you think that we shouldn't have, I don't know, 20,000 people gathering in the same place. Like that could just be, that could just be foolish. Okay. I get that. But that doesn't really affect me for now because like you know the only time I really do that would be a great concert and I'm sort of spoiled now I don't go to a lot of concerts unless I'm backstage or I get you know unless yeah. I, I've been in music business for years and so big concerts don't typically do it for me intimate venues do yeah. so I'm okay there and then or, or college football games and I've got until September to worry about that so you know with uh, God willing we'll be fine but it does affect everybody I mean there's there's major there's companies that I would imagine if you were if you were the lighting company that did all of Tony Robbins events, I don't know what his lighting costs and his sound and rigging. Like let's say it's, it's $250,000 per event. Like how many of those can you make it through without that are getting canceled without going out of business? And what's the trickle effect of that? So if it's a two month, if we have a two month hiatus on things, how long does it take for us to spin the wheels back up? Because like we were talking about before, I mean, if people can't pay their rent, then they can't, I mean, if the banks have to give people, leniency but how do the banks pay their bills it's an interesting i I hate like going down this rabbit hole but it's sort of a it's sort of a necessary i think it's a sort of a necessary exercise to have if you want to be prepared not that you should and and the hardest thing i think for me especially never really having this mindset particularly is like how do you how do you think through plan a b and c without without becoming paranoid or without becoming freaked out like that that to me is like this is what we've been training for as business people. You know, our, our revenue goes up and down. A lot of times our employees don't know that we're two weeks away from drying up. And we, you know, our constitution has to get up every day and fight harder because that's what we do. But at what point, you know, how does this affect your psyche? How does it affect your psyche when you're making presentations, when you're selling? Because ultimately none of us can just shut down. So yeah. that, that's sort of the mental, the mental gymnastics I'm doing right now. Oh, no, I hear you right there, because that's exactly where my brain's been going personally as well. It's just like the impact they could have, because I'm a consummate optimist, which is in case of, I don't really believe it. it like, I get that people have that. And I think I said to a friend earlier was like, if, if like, because these kind of wipeout events come every once, every two years, right. this is like the most seriously taken one. All the other ones were kind of like slipped by. But right. the way I've looked at it is saying, okay, if you look at the mass number of population deaths based on this one virus comparative to everything else from what we know over a 90 day period, which is how long a virus takes to actually run in and take place, we're actually not doing too badly as a percentage that's being wiped out. The right. thing that a lot of people are not getting is it's who it's affecting in my opinion. And from like everyone else kind of like listening into doctors and stuff like medical professionals at the CDC and everyone else, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's a big deal. And I guess by the time the show comes out, we'll know exactly to what extent we, uh, right. we went through this, but you know, I'm hoping the prediction is correct is that it's not as big of a, of an issue. And like the majority of us can handle it. Um, the thing that's really going to be interesting is I said to a friend of mine that if today was the day I die and it's because of a coronavirus, then that's the day I was meant to die. Like I, I'm not, I'm not above the belief that like if I die today, it's not a freak accident. I was meant to die on that day. Um, right. 
how I went was completely, you know, optional, I guess, but not up to me. But right. uh, it, it's just the isn't ridiculous. It, it is always typically. I mean, there's there's very few circumstances that isn't the case, right? Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things. And you're alive every day. So the way I look at it is that businesses will recover. I mean, I'm an optimist. So I'm saying like six weeks, yeah. 60 days maximum. We're looking at everyone coming back in. It'll be fine. Everything will be back in normal shape. Uh, but you know, it happens once in a while. I think the planet needs a scare like this once in a while to like get vigilant and how we can process and streamline things such as, is this meeting on Wednesday really necessary every week or can we just skip it via email? I think we can do it by email now. So that's how we sort it out. And again, our technology like Zoom is there. So it's always brilliant. Now, something I do want to talk about that I haven't really got into is your story and who you are because... When I was researching you, like the way I came into contact with you uh, was in three ways. The first time I came in contact with who you were, uh, but didn't really pay attention, but like I knew the name, was when you and Dan Candy, as well as Greg Rollett, uh, just basically all teamed up to release Living Legend. And then from then on, I just hadn't heard from you. And uh, obviously, I spoke to Greg, you know, I had all these things. And that was, again, because a friend told me. But you've had, like, reading through your profile stuff, you've had one hell of an incredible career. Like, you've been a 15-time, is it 15 still, or is it more a time Emmy winner for directing or producing documentaries? Um, You've got got several books. Like, you had a book that's basically Celebrity Branding You, Story Selling, as we mentioned already, Building the Ultimate Network, Marketing Miracles, uh, just so many more. My question is, how the hell do you actually manage it? Because this is a question I get asked quite frequently, and I know the truth is for me, I'm pretty lazy on a day-to-day basis, but when I'm on, I'm on. How, how do you do something that grandiose? And like, just, it looks like you're always there. Um, great question. I mean, first of all, great. I have an amazing team. I mean, I, you can't do any of this stuff without, like if I was doing trying to do any of this by myself, I would, I would fail dismally. So I don't, <clears throat> I don't know if I can give you a great answer. I don't know if I can give you a great answer, but let me give you the best answer I can. And I think it's just a philosophy. So one of my mentors is uh, Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan runs strategic coach. Another mentor of mine is Dan Kennedy. I call him my two Dans. They're very, very, very different uh, Dans. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> Dan Sullivan sort of preaches this philosophy of understanding your unique ability and your unique ability as Dan would say, I'll paraphrase, but basically you were born to do something. And, and typically most of us from the ages of like zero to five, we were, we were really coming into our own in that space. And when we were coming into our own in that space, our family was like, Oh, he's really cute or really funny or really whatever. And then we get put into uh, this system of education, which I'm not here to bash education. And you know, the teacher's job is to get 25 ducklings to do the same thing. I mean, it's a factory system. And, and for good reason, when it was invented, that's what we needed. We needed rote memorization. We need, you know, creativity was highly, uh, was undervalued and, and uh, rote memorization was necessary. I think we've flipped that economy now. But, and so you get basically put into this machine where you've got to perform and, and do all these standardized things from, you know, five to 18 and typically to 22 for college. If you go to grad school, 25 and maybe 28 at medical school. And essentially they sort of beat out that originality out of you that you were really thriving in from zero to five. And then you get out of school typically at 22, 25 or 28 with a mound of debt. And then you go back into some sort of factory or system to try to earn out that debt to make enough money to retire at 65 or whatever number so that you can get back to what it is you wanted you would love doing from zero to five so this whole this whole idea is that you know dan dan Sullivan says the definition of retire is to take out of use and that you know and and, and he also would say when they when you get taken out of use uh the universe wants its parts back and so you know the the thing about unique ability is really the thought process behind it is like hey what if i skipped that whole thing in between now you can't skip it all but what if i was what if i was cognizant of it what if i was conscious of it and i said hey you know what i'm going to work every day to strengthen what it is that i do really well and i'm going to use that to provide value to the world now if you ask any anyone who's over 10 years old probably <clears throat> certainly over 20 years old what's the one thing you want to do every day you think you're the best at it's almost impossible to answer that question yeah. And so the only way to really get there and the way Dan does it through strategic coach, if, if sort of through his program, but you can do a lot of this on your own is every quarter sort of make a plan and look at the things that are causing you the most friction and try to eliminate a couple of them. And so over the course of multiple quarters, <clears throat> you get rid of things that, that are causing you the most friction. And then suddenly you realize that, 
you didn't realize how much you hated something because it just wasn't causing you that much friction. But by the time you re you remove the things that cause the most friction, very much like remodeling a house, when you uh, <clears throat> when you uh, paint the cabinets, you realize, oh shoot, the walls are dirty. So then you paint the walls. Now the cabinets and the walls are brand new. Now the flooring looks old. So I got to replace the flooring. And once I replace the flooring, then the couch look, it doesn't go anymore. And so you, it, it, things that didn't cause you friction start to cause you friction, allowing you to pare down further and further and further into what becomes, uh, until you further get into what is your unique ability. It's a, it's a lifelong, uh, it's a lifelong journey, um, but once you start operating within your unique ability, things do start to happen easier because I think for many reasons, you start to get better at it, you hone in on it more, and you realize what you shouldn't be doing and what you, and you find someone who loves doing what you shouldn't be doing, and if they love doing it, they're way more productive uh, than you at it. So at the end of the day, um, I learned through Dan Sullivan that my unique ability is having interesting conversations. And so literally that's all I need to do. So if you want to have an interesting conversation, I'm, I'm pretty much always in. If you want me to do just about anything else, I'm probably not going to do it. So when I do, if you want a proposal from me, well, <clears throat> good news is, look, <clears throat> when we're all getting started, when we're all doing things, we all do what we need to do to get where we need to go, even if we don't like it. So there's some amount of, of <clears throat> willingness to go, to go past what what our unique ability is, what we need to be doing at first, especially when we don't have the resources. Now I have a staff that will put together proposals. Um, if you want me to write a book, I'm not going to write the book. I'm going to have a great conversation with a ghostwriter and they're going to write the book and then I will review it. Um, if you want to do, <clears throat> if you want me to do a module for a course, as long as it's an interview and it's an interesting conversation, no problem. I think the documentaries are the easiest thing I've ever done in my life, which is sort of bizarre because um, I didn't have any experience in it. But it really, I think when I look back, it's because I get to have great conversations. That's all I have to do. And I have a team around me that films it and edits it. And, and then we put it out to the world. And I'm ADD. Like, I only ever had to have that same conversation one time. It was amazing. I filmed it, and the rest of the world can watch it. You know, I just got back from filming in Iraq. Like, I, I have... Uh, the, actually the day I left the first three cases of coronavirus broke out. <laughs> and so, um, and I'm glad I didn't get stuck there, but you know, I, I, everywhere I go, I have an amazing, like an amazing record of where I've been, what I've done. It's just sort of, it's addictive, honestly, but all I have to do is have interesting conversations and I have a writer and a producer who set up all the other things. Um, and I mean, I can share with you, uh, in a few minutes, I don't want to keep rambling a real interesting strategy because I'm not because I'm not great at preparing, I have like an outsourced strategy for preparing for interviews and things that I do. That's and so <clears throat> we can go anywhere you want to go with it. But so I would say my long-winded answer to your question is, uh, you know, try to figure out what your unique ability is. And my unique ability is apparently having interesting conversations. And so the more I lean into that, the more things happen and the more, the more opportunity comes because as part of my unique ability, I'm more energized by it every day. It's not something yeah. I don't want to do. It's not something I ever want to stop doing. It's what I want to do more and more and more and more of. So I, so all I'm just like by natural selection, my brain is trying to figure out how to get things out of the way that aren't nearly as interesting as having interesting conversations. See, that's actually quite powerful and interesting. And if you guys haven't heard, listen to that back again and listen actively because there's a lot of things Nick just said that actually are golden. Specifically for someone like me, it's an idea. I actually genuinely live in that same realm of having interesting conversations. It's why I love my podcast. Like Thursday is the one day of the week that I do not write copy for a client. Like Saturday and Sunday as well, but like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll write whatever. Friday, I'll do some writing. Thursday, don't ask me to deliver anything on that day because Thursdays are my day for the show to actually go ahead and do it. And I get to spend time with people I really want to interview and get to know, like yourself. Um, and something interesting that you actually just mentioned right there as well is that there's a strategy specifically, like there's, there's a way to find out exactly what it is that you want, uh, want to do. You mentioned there was a strategy, a strategy, a strategy for love of goodness. I cannot speak today. There is a strategy to do so, but there's also a strategy that I want you to cover specifically uh, in just a moment. We're going to linchpin this in a second, and that is about around the marketing of getting yourself out there because a lot of people have that problem. They're the best in the world, but they're terrible at getting themselves out there. I'm one of those idiots, so obviously I'm going to ask about this. Um, but the other question, the other thing I wanted to actually jump into just quickly. So as you're, this isn't actually for the people who are thinking, oh, is this the module? No, this is not the module that we're doing. I have a set list of questions that I'm sending to Nick ahead of time, which I haven't got to yet, that Nick and I are just going to hop on a call and just have a great conversation around these questions that are there. 
So that is in preparation for anyone that will message me like, hey, is this the module that we're, you know, for SSV? No, this is not it. I wanted to interview him because he's just that much of a badass. Um, See, so we had a great feel. But so the question I had for you was like, how would you, how would someone actually find their unique ability? That's one, if we haven't covered it already. And two, uh, how do they get themselves out there as well? So like, they're, they're not the best kept secret anymore. Like, how do they stop doing that? So there's, there's a ton of strategies for number two. I guess to, to discover unique ability, the only thing I know how to do is to continue to try to get yourself, um, like, just try to figure out, you probably have an inkling of things you like, but again, I like making documentaries, I like directing, I like producing, I like, but really what I really like about it is the relationships that I get. What I really like about it is when I've, you know, when I've filmed with, you know, we mentioned Peter Diamandis, or I've done stuff with Dan Sullivan, or Joe Polish, or Richard Branson, or Mark Cuban, they like me a lot when I'm done because I make them look great. And so my relationship actually deepens. And so oftentimes it's not what you think you like about a certain thing that is actually the thing that is really is your unique ability. So it's, it's sort of going deep and sort of doing the work. And I would say the only way I know how to do is to continue to sort of analyze that and, and to be around people like, I, I'm very honest. I mean, my group of strategic coach. I'm in there with amazing thinkers, a lot of people who you know they are. And we, we have these conversations. I mean, because it, they're, they're necessary conversations if you want to get into the depths of that nuance to really be powerful and have you know, a force for good in the world. So you have to do that. But then also, again, just, just thinking about what am, I, you know, what am I not good at? What do I not like doing? I mean, one thing that's like, scary but really interesting to me about the coronavirus is like what if what if the economy the global economy goes to absolute crap and we all have to start over there's all that's scary but like something really refreshing about that too like if if you were able to start over tomorrow without any of the financial constraints you have today like what would you do like would you would you do the same things or would you be like oh man i would actually go i would actually go do something completely different and so uh that's that's sort of about finding the ability as far as how to get yourself out there, um, there's a bunch of strategies. I mean, look, publishing content is nothing new. There's a billion ways to do it now. I think clearly if you want to be in that space and there's no, there's really nothing you can do other than to get started because everything you do. Um, so I'm a songwriter. I, I write a lot of country music and I work with a lot of musicians. Um, you can see here, I can show you cause you're on video. There's my three gold records I've gotten the wall there from one of the bands I wrote years ago. And so, like when I, I wrote my first song, I was, I was so excited. I was like, I was so excited by it. I, put, I wanted to play it for everybody. And, you know, it took me a while and so I tried to pitch it to some different record labels. And, to, you know, it took me a while to realize that, oh, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't as good as the things that are on the radio. I was really disappointed. And I do that now when I get people like they write a book and like, or, or someone will be like, man, I wrote this thing. I did, I painted this painting. I have like my first question before I even get into commercializing anything with them. Like, Hey, if this was the best painting you ever painted your first one, you could never match it again. Would you be excited or disappointed? And they're all like, Oh man, I'd be disappointed. I'm like, exactly. So understand the fact that this is not going to be your best painting ever. You're going to do better. This is part of the process, part of the work. So I want you to file that in your brain to not be disappointed if this isn't the commercial success you think it should be. So first of all, we, you got to start and you're going to suck at first. I mean, uh, when we song right, one of the things a buddy of mine says all the time is like, let's dare to suck. Like if you're willing to put it out there and be like, I'm going to dare to suck with this next line, but it might be brilliant, but like, I'm going to have, I'm going to have the self-awareness to know, Hey, I'm going to experiment here. This might completely suck, but what if I throw this idea out there and half the time you go into writing a song. So by the way, when we write songs, it's a really fascinating process. I write in Nashville once a month. We write two songs a day, have like a 10 AM and a 3 PM, right? We write an entire song, lyrics, music, everything, two of them a day. And we move on to the next day and write two more. And the guys who do it every day, write 10 a week. So they write 500 songs a year. And there's so many amazing songs you will never hear. There's, I, I got to figure out the opportunity at some point to unlock this treasure trove because every song the guys who I write, like one of the main guys who I write just got a Grammy nomination. He just lost a Grammy, but American Country Music Award nomination. My other buddy has three number one hits. Every song they write is a hit. It is just, but out of 500 they write a year, maybe the world hears eight of them if they're lucky. And so there's just, there are literally millions of songs being written every day, every year that are incredible. And there's also millions of people who are really talented that can't write songs. There's got to be a way to marry these together. But the whole concept is like, you got to start and you got to dare to suck. But 
um, I would say one of the things you need to start doing is start narrowing down as you begin with like, what are three to four things that like, if, if the world were to burn tomorrow, like my core principles would be this. Um, one thing I'm really sort of investigating right now because it really aligns with me. There's another mentor of mine, Dr. Nito Cobain, amazing speaker, amazing yep. writer. All uh, um, about you, me you though. Fan? Oh, huge fan. I've uh, been following his work since I was 18. He's one of the, oh, like, so I'm 30 now, so like right at the start of my career. So I, when I saw that you did his documentary, I was like, I've got to ask yeah. him about this. But we'll jump I, back just to did, that in a second. I just did a new episode for my show uh, that's not out yet. Remind me, I'll send it to you. Oh, uh, please do. Uh, and we just did it like six months ago. And so, uh, and that's my show on Amazon. But so, um, so Nito says, I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing, but the way, the way I remember him saying it was, you know, I spent my life doing three things. If I can do all three of these things in equal parts, it's a life well lived. And he said he spends a third of his time earning. Because let's be honest, if you want to pretend you don't need money, you're going to lose all credibility to begin with. Like everyone needs to earn somehow. I mean, or you say, Hey, I've got a trust fund. What of it? And you move on. Right. But most of us got to earn second, second thing, learning. If you're not constantly learning, we know what's going to happen. I mean, you're going to get left behind. Peter D. Mandis's new book, the future is faster than you think. The convergence of technology right now is mind blowing. The next 10 years are going to be insane with what's coming. Um, And then third serving. So he says, I spend a third of my time earning, a third of my time learning, a third of my time serving. And that's what I do. And so to me, like, okay, uh, w- let's talk about, about getting the world to know who you are. Um, one thing would be publishing content. So obviously blogs, articles, podcasts, videos, all that stuff. But to me, I don't want to be just another, Person. I don't know, yeah. not as good Gary V or pick your guy, you know, not as cool, uh, Joe Rogan. I mean, you just, you don't want to be that. Like, I don't want to be that. But by the way, those guys have honed their craft for years. And if you go back and look at Joe Rogan 1.0, Gary V 1.0, whoever 1.0, it's not going to be who you're seeing today. So they did get started. And a lot of times it was just timing. But if you want to be noticed in the sea of sameness, I would say my best advice for you is a couple of things. Number one, like figure out what your core principles and values are and everything you do and publish, if it doesn't further those things, then it's probably not a good way to build a brand. Uh, so I, I'm, man, I'm rambling a lot here, but I'm trying to give you everything no, coming dude, out of my brand. Dude, it's I, all good. I, Keep going. I'm enjoying all right, it. Cool. So Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach gave me a book recently, Zero to One, Peter Thiel, the founder of uh, PayPal. PayPal. And so he, I don't know if this is what he wanted me to get out of the book or not, but here's a couple of things that I got out of the book. When you are operating, when something, when the world doesn't know something exists, which is between zero and one, and when the world finds out it's for real, you basically create a ton of value and and you're creating like unicorn value. You can between zero and one. Once it's real in the world, even though there are things like patents and trademarks to protect yourself, you're basically going to be fighting after some period of time, a losing battle for, for, uh, well, you'll be fighting a battle. It doesn't have to be losing for um, profitability. So margins and volume and while everyone else gets in the game. So all of the magic really happens between zero and one. I would also say that all of the magic in most people's businesses is they make all of their money in the places you can't see. So like there's like two business, there's two games happening at all times. Like if you go to a conference, if you're like the conference is a very easy one to, to the analogy. So if you go to a conference, there's like, there's a conference everyone's attending. And then there's the conference the VIPs are attending. And those could be people that they may not even have a VIP badge, but they're friends of the organizer. They're people in the mastermind group. There's someone who a speaker brought with them. Um, I was at a, uh, a big conference recently and I was invited there to do some interviews and other things. And while I'm at a party, the, uh, the lady helping run the conference, like, Hey, we're doing this other thing. You want to come to this dinner, by the way, can you speak on this panel tomorrow? I'm like, Oh my gosh, there are literally two events happening here at the exact same time. So zero and one between zero and one, this is where all the good stuff happens. And so when you are building when you're building your persona, you're going to have to spend some time between zero and one. There's going to be a lot of time where the world does not know who you are. Back to songwriting. When one of my buddies has a number one hit, if no one knew who he was before, all of a sudden the phone starts ringing, emails start coming in like, Hey, what else does that guy have? Like what else is in his catalog? Like all of a sudden people recognize his talent and it's been, it's been an iceberg. You know, they're only seeing this and you spent all this time doing this. So there's going to be a lot of time, 
just realize momentum is hard to build. There's going to be a lot of time spent going from zero to one. But while you're doing that, while you're putting in the work, do it intentionally, do it strategically, figure out what your core values and principles are. And if everything you're doing is not furthering those three goals, three or four goals or values, like that's your key to not do it. So that's part one. The other short part of part two, once you figure that out, um, the other secret to getting discovered, getting known in this world is piggybacking off of other people who are already known. So for me, like I was, I was known in, in, a, in, mark, in some marketing circles and I got known in some marketing circles because I started doing some work with Dan Kennedy and Brian Tracy and some others, but it's because I went to them. I learned this from music business and said, Hey, look, here's what I can do for you. Would you be interested in working with me? It was never, Oh my gosh, you should work with me. You like, I used to have people come to me in the music business and they, the equivalent, whatever they said was the equivalent of like, Hey, you're really lucky that I'm going to let you discover me. And typically whenever they did that, their stuff was just garbage. Like yeah. if I got an email that said, Hey, this is the best song you have ever heard. This is going to be a number one hit next year. I could just delete it. Cause I knew they were so unself-aware. It was terrible. It was going to be terrible. And 99.9% .9 actually, I never got a song when someone said that that wasn't crap. When someone said, Hey, I've been really working and I wouldn't respond because I didn't, it didn't, it didn't warrant a response. And if yeah, you know me, anyone who ever emails me, you get a response. If it warrants a response, even if it said, Hey, I'm just getting started. This is my first song. Could you give me some advice? I would stop everything I'm doing, listen to it, give them the best advice I could and move on. And so I approached all these people that way. Then I started making documentaries. I got lucky and my first documentary got two Emmy nominations. I won an Emmy. I also wasn't a fool about it. I Googled how to win an Emmy and followed the directions. <laughs> and so like I tried to be strategic about it, um, but you don't know what happens. And I, it's funny, I, I got nominated for the film and nominated for directing. I lost for the film and won for directing. I don't even know how that happens. And actually up until my probably 12th Emmy, I had never won for directing and the movie. I always won for one or the other. Uh, and I've, I've lost, I've, I've lost more than I've won. So just to put everything into perspective um, and I enter everything cause I don't know what's going to win. And I'm constantly shocked at what loses and what wins. Yeah. And so, um, so I then went on to, I went to Peter Diamandis and said, Hey Peter, can I make, uh, can I make a documentary on abundance? Your book, I'll do it all for free. I'll, I'll cause I was like, I need to bring value and I'll figure out how to fund it. I knew I had, I'd have clients who want to meet Peter, want to go on some journeys with me. I could figure this out. And so Peter's like, Hey, thanks for asking man. But I really, I got this other guy who's doing it. And then I, I do what I always do. I wrote the line between persistence and annoyance. Every time I saw Peter, I'm like, Hey, how's that documentary coming? I'd love to make one. And eventually like two and a half years later, I think it was, he's like, well, funny thing is that guy disappeared. He ghosted me. So if you still want to do it, I'm like, let's do it. Because I know my staying power is going to outlast most of these flakes in the world, right? Yeah. And so I got the opportunity to do Peter's documentary. And then that put me on a whole other level. Then I did a documentary for Peter and Peter loved it. So now Peter's now Peter is a friend of mine. So Peter's willing to help me because I helped put Peter on, you know, put he was already on the map, but I gave him a different sort of media to yeah. get on the map. We won four Emmys, I think it was, with his film. And it's on Amazon now, it's on iTunes, it's all over the place. Didn't and so, do, I was gonna that? say, just sorry to interrupt, didn't you do Jay Abrahams as well? I did, it's not actually really officially out yet, but you can find it, like Jay's launched it at different places. But yeah, it uh, yeah. it's, a, I mean, fascinating look inside Jay's mind, which was really oh. tough, because Jay is like, I mean, his mind is so multidimensional, but yeah, Dude, we did. I got a funny story to tell you. Uh, Jay might get mad at me for telling this story, but it's funny <laughs> as well. Because he doesn't actually know. That's the funny thing. Jay doesn't know this part of the story. Only Michelle does, like his daughter. Yeah. Um, so I got hired to write for Jay Abraham about two and a bit years ago based on the recommendation by Jeff Moore. Uh, uh, Jeff, yep. Jeff's a great dude. So Jeff yep. was like, okay, so they're looking for a copywriter. You got to prove that you can do it. So I showed them that I could do it. And uh, the first phone call I got with Michelle was, it took me weeks to get Michelle on the phone, like trying to find time because there's an eight hour time difference. Finally got Michelle on the phone. And next thing I know, at the end of that call, she's like, I actually love you. I think you're a fun person. I would love to actually introduce you to this whole thing, work on this project for us. I yeah. do the project, get out, you know, it's out the ballpark. I'm having one hell of a weird time in my personal life, but I'm still like pushing for this anyway. Get this thing done. And Michelle's like, by the way, just so you know, uh, I know you're used to just writing one, draft of something and it's done because you've done this for so long but jay will like she goes i've written for jay my entire life and i don't get through yeah. a first draft i have to go through four yep. so jay calls me i'm on the phone with jay and jay's like you know it, it, he gives props to the rest of the letters like it's a good letter whatever it goes but i couldn't get past the headline 
there was for some reason the headline just threw me off. I don't know why, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, no worries. I took some advice from him. It was, it was an amazing call. I have the phone call somewhere. It was brilliant. It was like one of my favorite all-time things that ever happened. And then as soon as I got the phone call, I called Michelle and I was laughing my ass off. And she was like, why? I was like, well, Jay said he liked the rest of the left and he complimented bits and pieces of it. She goes, and? I was like, but he really didn't like that headline. And she's like, okay. She was like, don't worry. I guess it's like, you know, it happens. Jay's not going to like everything right away. He's going to like give you three or four drafts because he's thinking in multi-dimensions. And I was like, yeah, I know. And I, I can't contain myself from laughing. She goes, why are you laughing? I was like, because um, do you remember that you sent me like 30,000 swipe files that Jay had written that had produced over a billion dollars? She's like, yeah. I was like, that headline is his. I literally just stole it from another sales letter that he wrote and put it in this one. The rest of the copy's mine. Just that headline was perfect. And she goes, so you're telling me the one thing he disliked in your sales letter the most was his own work. I was like, yes, yes, it was. Don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was probably incongruent with the rest of the work because that was your right? work. That's funny. Oh, um, so brilliant. Br brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mind. I, I've been g just gifted to, to become a friend of his and get to know him right. well. Um, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm actually going to send you, it's up on his website, the documentary. I'm going to just uh, message it to you. You can put it in the show notes so people can find oh, it. Yeah, for sure. Assuming, yeah. it, assuming it's still there. Uh, that's where they'll find it. So, uh, but yeah, it was a really fun exercise. And honestly, one of the coolest things that I w I've been able to niche in is I do a lot of documentaries uh, on different nonprofit things. I've gotten into a bunch of human trafficking stuff and microloans and other stuff, which is just fun. Um, military nonprofits. And I've, I figured out actually that I've never done a documentary for a nonprofit that wasn't run by an entrepreneur, which is a really telling sign also. Um, and se second of all, doing docs and entrepreneurs, because I mean, they're the most fascinating people to me in the world. And so I've mm -hmm. utilized that, I've utilized that skill set to, to become valuable and to expand my network of entrepreneurs like Jay Abraham. I did his movie. I did Dan Sullivan's. I did Joe Polish's. I did Brian Tracy's. I did Jack Canfield's. And again, when you do these and you, and you show someone their life before their own eyes and you're not there to do a, you're not there to do a, a 60 minutes hit piece on them, you know, they really like you afterwards. So it's been a, been a fun journey. So I guess just sort of to cap that thought is try to try to be valuable to other people who have a platform and they will help you gain a bigger platform. Once I did Peter's movie, then we did premieres and other things at some of Peter's big events and other things. And, and Dan Sullivan actually called me to the side. He said, Hey, I, 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 I realized I've known you in the two phases of your life. I said, what's that? He said, before Peter's movie and after Peter's movie. And I'm very glad to be here with you after Peter's movie. And, uh, you know, so, so that's my long winded answer to how to get yourself out there. So essentially like as long as, and I guess one of the ways that I'm trying to like summate this as well for other people out there, including my own brain, it would be the idea of follow Oscar Wilde's, um, I think it's Oscar Wilde, his, uh, his advice, which is just keep creating and let the audience decide by the time the audience is decided you've already created another, another piece and another piece and another piece and another piece until like there is this giant well of work that you can just keep pulling from for, for, for the rest of time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I like that. Yeah, I think that sounds for wild. I can't remember, but it's, uh, it, it's one of the quotes I remember that was just there. So essentially, you just create, put it out there, and again, piggyback off of other people's, um, not just other people's success, but like literally just like help them so they can help you down the line, and what you said is completely true. The amount of times I've done, like uh, a couple of weeks ago before we did the show, I was in a bit of a rut, so I sent through a message to um, my Facebook list, list saying, hey, listen, I'll give you guys 80% off um, my training, you know, I'll give you 80% off, it's 200 bucks, go here, get this, blah, 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 whatever it was. It's only a four-day promotion. And I said, if you can't actually get it, just help me share this message. Dude, it was insane. I thought no one would share that message. I had like 60 or 70 shares just right out the gate of people just saying, go go check your stuff out. It's amazing. Go do this. And I was like, even people that I hadn't spoken to in years, they're like, no, we're watching. We're just quietly watching in the, in the rafters and you won't see us. And that's just what it comes down to. If you're cool and help other people out in times of like when they needed it, they'll help you out when you needed it. It's a reciprocity thing that we have. Now, moving forward, one of my favorite questions I want, I've been looking forward to ask you specifically and there is so much more that I want to discuss. Um, but specifically, this one question is a couple that I've had to eliminate. I'm going to save for the course itself to ask you then. But it's this idea of story-based writing, especially when it comes down to marketing. And as you've seen in the last five years and beyond, uh, and everything moving forward, stories becoming the reason why people actually go ahead and get anything started. They, they follow stories. So my first question 
uh, to this would sit because there's three. The first question for this is why is story based? Uh, why are stories becoming more and more prevalent? Because the direct response world was always more about you, less about me, which is still prevalent. But when you combine that with story based, it takes on like a 50 50 ship where it's like, I'm going to show you my story and then I'm going to make it about you so you can come in and actually travel this journey with me. So what do you see happening in the next 10 years? And why do you think we've shifted back into such a story-based focus and advertising? Uh, it's a great question. And I don't know I have the answer, but I would guess it's because we're, we're deluged by so much data now that the, and so just so much going on around us that if the, the only way to really get someone's attention long enough to make them do something is by sucking them in with a story. I mean, we certainly have seen the rise through, I'm sure there were other things before, but it's been very prevalent now with content, the rise of, you know, YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, all these things. I mean, we are consuming, we are consuming stories probably at a higher rate than ever before. And so, um, you know, I, I would imagine that again, it's just to get people's attention. You've got to draw them in with a, the cold open, right? You got to draw them in with the story. And then when you, when you share with people, like I've always, I mean, I'm, I just turned 40. I've been doing this for like 14 years, I guess it is. So that's basically my career. So I can't tell you what happened in the sixties and seventies. I, <laughs> I, I would be making that up, but my, the entire time I've been doing this, I've always said that, look, if you share who you are and where you came from and authentically you and and if you really stop and look at what led you to the to where you are right now today if you're indeed doing something you enjoy doing and you feel like you're driven to do it's a mission for you if you go back and un unpeel the layers of the onion of what got you there it's pretty fascinating um how you will be and you tell that story effectively you will absolutely be the only person in the world that is uniquely suited to solve your ideal client or prospects problem because of the path you took. And so, but most people forget to share the path they took or they think it's not interesting or they don't want to share the bad stuff. They don't want to share the good stuff, whatever it is, um, you know, share what you're comfortable with. But the more you share, um, you know, the more you will see people will be just compelled. Your, your right fit clients will be compelled to work with you uh, because your story is in such alignment with what they're looking for. And it makes so much sense to them why you would be so much more suited to help them than anybody else. Yeah, no, I would agree with that one. And it kind of goes back to a piece of advice I got given years ago when I was on stage and I had no idea there were like nine years between us. It, it very much makes me happy to know that we were both born around, like we were both born in the eighties. I'm happy. Like you were at the start, I was at the end. It, it, it works. I'm happy to know this. And for anyone that was born after the 80s, the greatest story writers were actually born in the 80s, and I'll keep it there as well as this. <laughs> so if you were born in the 70s, I'm sorry, you, you missed. Um, but what I would say is uh, very much this in the sense of like, uh, the piece of advice I received was whatever, like you could teach SEO the same way everyone else teaches SEO, or you can teach SEO the way that you came to the end of it, of like how you figured it out, and your unique story will make everything right. It's kind of like the whole fact that I actually dis disregard for a long time. I disregarded how I got into copywriting. And then when I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine, they're like, wait, how long have you been doing this? At the time I was 26. I was like, well, professionally eight years, but I've studied copy since I was 12. Like, you know, this whole thing. And he went, wait, what? Tell me that story. I was like, yeah, my dad was paralyzed from the waist down from the time I was five to the time I was seven. He watched the home shopping channel. So I watched Billy Mace for two years every day until it was in my head. And he was like, why aren't you telling anyone this story? Like, what the hell, dude? And again, like in that 12 year span of being professional, I mean, I'm only now telling the story of how I got $700 million in sales for my clients, you know, all without making myself a millionaire because I made them a shitload of money but forgot to take some for myself. Right. It tends to happen. It happens. Yeah, it happens. But the joys of it are, it's kind of the whole thing that I, uh, and I find this funny. So for anyone else that's going through this, don't like give credence because give credence and give happiness to this because there is a lot of joy to what Nick said earlier about creating and having this well of work underneath the surface. So when you're ready to come up, it'll all come with you. A lot of people spend time becoming copywriters so they can write copy for themselves, which is brilliant. But they spend more time like, you know, I want to be known as a celebrity, but I want to use my copyright to get there without putting too much time and effort into this skill. Whereas I spend all my time in that skill and very little time anywhere else. So like my skill levels got really, really good at this, but now I'm starting to move my skill levels around. It's lovely. What I will say is the journey that I got to where I'm at is where I can be considered as one of the best copywriters alive today. 
that's a journey in its own right that I can have a conversation with. And if I document that process, it becomes far more powerful, just like how you can document your process being completely unique to you. That being said, I have to ask for your book recommendations. There can't be your books because your books are amazing. I'm recommending them anyway. So these are like, uh, so the way I'd say it is, um, and you're a movie guy, which makes me happy because I know you like movies as much as I do. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you for five book recommendations that are nonfiction. And then I want to have three books. Uh, I want to have uh, either five more books that are either fiction or five movies that you'd recommend people watch that are listening to this. Wow. Okay. Um, <clears throat> on the book side, I'm actually, I'm just going to go through uh, my audible. You can see. I, what, I love what audible. I'm... It's the best thing ever. <laughs> I, I work out every day pretty much, and that's how I do my reading. I don't enjoy reading, but I enjoy, I guess, as I get the nervous energy out running or working out, I can listen and pay attention. So uh, some of my favorite books, and it, it may be more than five if that's all right, but I'll give you of the ones I just huh? listened to. Uh, Shoe Dog, the story of Phil Knight of Nike is mind-blowing biography. Love that book. Uh, yep. Uh, Living with the Monks, Jesse Itzler. Uh, I also love Living with the Seals. Yeah. Uh, living with a seal, but living with the monks was also hilarious and great. Um, Anthony Scaramucci's book, Hopping Over the Rabbit Hole, mind blowing. Jay Abraham uh, referred it to me, and uh, Tony Robbins and Peter Diamandis did like the foreword and introduction of that. Um, Zero to One by Peter Thiel, uh, Never Grow Up, Jackie Chan's story biography, wow. mind blowing. Um, I'll give you just a couple more. Uh, David Goggin's story, Can't Hurt Me. Uh, great, amazing. great audiobook. Don't listen to it any other way, it has to be an audiobook. Agreed. And then uh, I'm, I'm currently in Peter Diamandis' new book because I'm doing the documentary on that. The future is faster than you think. And then I, I'll tell you what I have. Because it's been told to me so many damn times I should listen to them. My, my list of things I have to listen to coming up are uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, who I just Great met, the book. former, uh, uh, the former uh, negotiator. Uh, Blue Fishing by Steve Sims. Steve's a friend of mine, but I haven't read it yet, but I heard it's great. great and then... The Bezos Letters, who a friend of mine just, just released and hit a bunch of uh, lists. Uh, basically, the key business lessons taken from reading Jeff Bezos's letters to his shareholders. It's supposed to be also amazing. Quick question for you. Going back to Scaramucci's book, what was the title of that book? Uh, Hopping Over the Rabbit Hole. Hopping. I'm taking notes of this so I can actually remember because I can come back. Hopping yeah. Over the Rabbit Hole. Uh, very quick, um, very similar to you. I'm more of an audiobook kind of guy than I am a visual like, reading. I have a shitload of books, but I tend to just like prefer the audios. But I will say this much with Steve's book, as he's a guest and a friend to the show and us, um, reading the summary on the back pages, like the playbook, uh, just summarizing the last four pages, still incredible. There's so much value in those four pages than you can actually imagine. All right, okay, so what cool. are the... So what are the movies? I'm curious. Like, what are the five um, movies that we'd recommend? Five movies. Um, <clears throat> not documentaries. Uh, I love documentaries, so I'm not going to do that today. Can they, can, they see, can they be series or do they have to be movies? Oh, they can be series. Uh, I mean, because you make the rules here. So uh, I'm currently going back through – well, so my, my, my wife just watched Narcos Mexico season two with me, and she mm -hmm. hadn't watched any of the other Narcos <gasps> – and so I got her into that. And then now we went straight to El Chapo and which I see watched season one, season two, which are also mind blowing. Um, yeah. And so I'm, so we're now going through sort of like the, the history of the drug Lords, um, <laughs> a show that I think is, is brilliantly written, uh, but is, is very campy, but it's the whole style is the ranch, the Ashton Kutcher show, um, is, is really well done. Um, uh, what else? Uh, and movies or series that I'm also really into. Oh, um, I, you know, I'd never watched The Office. I know that's sort of crazy, but I'd never watched The Office. And now that I, I had actually seen the British version, Rick Gervais, and I hadn't seen the American version. And then my son, my son just turned 15, my oldest, I have three kids. He wanted to start watching it. And so we started watching it and we, and it is awkwardly, brilliantly hilarious. It's great. Yep. Um, I, I like Ozark. Um, uh, man, I could, I could go on and on, but there, I, I'm gonna I, I want, go good. No, you said, I want to see Ford versus Ferrari. I have not seen that yet. That's on my um, list. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, and I was trying to think what else just came out that everyone's been, Oh, I saw Joker. A friend of mine produced Joker. Um, not at all what I expected and I didn't really get it till the end. And now, now I want to go back and rewatch it, but that was uh, right. very, very well done. I can't watch that movie again. Yeah. 
like it triggered me like it didn't like when i say triggered i don't mean like oh my god i'm horrible it's more or less because i've got my own issues i've gone through after i watched yeah. it i legitimately had to sit there in complete silence and be like no one talked to me for like an hour i'm gonna eat in silence yeah. and then i'm gonna talk to you again because this movie has messed with me a little bit but it's yeah. so well done it's a movie that i've told so many of my friends i'm like guys go watch it but it's not a movie you're going to want to watch every weekend. It's not like a Guardians no. of the Galaxy type thing where you feel good at the end. You're going to walk away being like, damn, that took a part of my soul with it. Um, it's a great, yes. great show, a great movie. I will make two recommendations of shows to you. Uh, one is yeah. very, they're both, one's kind of silly, one's a little bit serious. And the serious one would be The Witcher. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen The Witcher already, it's a great, yeah. great, great, great show. It's very differently done. Someone like your brain, I, I will say this much. Watch the whole thing. Watch all 10 episodes. Don't try and look ahead. Like, literally watch them. The reason is because by the 10th episode, or by the 8th or 9th episode, the whole show makes sense in timelines. Because it, it, yeah. it works in three different timelines, and it melds together very, very beautifully. Um, it's a show that you do have to pay attention to. Like, in the sense of, like, someone will mention one thing, and that same thing will be mentioned in another part of the show, and it'll give you an idea of how long ago it was. Okay. Um, so it's a really, really cool thing. The other show is actually Bob's Burgers. Okay. Like I did not realize the brilliance of the show because I loved the show Archer. Archer was my favorite thing ever. But then I watched Bob's Burgers and I can't tell you how many times that I want a burger at the end of that show. But more importantly, it's the way they come up with the stories. For me, I watch shows for the stories to make sure they can break them down. John Carlton actually said it best, which is after taking any copywriting from me, I'm going to tell you two things. One, you're going to be really good at what you do. Number two, uh, as long as you apply for them. And number two, you're never going to be able to read a book or watch a movie ever again without starting to look for the story behind them. And I was like, God damn it. He was so right about that, but I enjoyed them still. So it's all good and well, but as, as we're heading into the last couple of minutes, uh, Nick, I want to ask, I want to thank you first of all for doing this, but the final question I really want to ask, which is so powerful and I would love to get your opinion on this more than anything else is when life kicks you in the nuts and everything, like the chips are down, back against the wall, all credit lines are maxed out. You have literally no way out. What the hell do you do to keep your head and not lose your head? Like, because that's the key point. As long as you keep this happy and okay, you can pretty much overcome everything. How do you do it? I do this. I have conversations with other entrepreneurs who are excited about something. And so, you know, people who are dreadful about anything or everything, I try to avoid them. I try to pay attention to what's real in the market or what's happening, but I try to, uh, I try to hunker down with other like-minded people and have, and have interesting conversations that motivate me to think about, okay, well, if this happened, what would happen or what? So, uh, you know, human, humanity can never stop moving forward. Some people will choose to, but as a species, we can't. And so I'll find those who can, who are excited about the way they're moving forward. And I'll, I'll see how can I assist them on their journey. And hopefully that'll be, bring value to them and it'll bring value to me. That's a really smart way of doing it because most times you actually realize that a good conversation can spur incredible thought processes. It's probably why I look forward to Thursdays more than anything else because I get to have these fun conversations with people. It's always interesting. Um, but that being said, guys, go please check out, as always, as I will put at the start at the end of the show, this show was sponsored by uh, nicknanton.com. Go there, check him out, get on his mailing list, look at all the goddamn documentaries this guy's done. They're actually amazing to watch. Um, the Jay Abraham story, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to leave a link up for you. It's abraham.com forward slash the, the Jay Abraham story documentary with hyphens across each, each uh, word. Links will be in the description again for my show notes person. That's where you can find it. I'll send you the link. Um, as always, guys, rate, review, subscribe, follow, stalk Nick. He's kind of incredible for stalking. Um, check out his book and audio course, Story Selling. It's absolutely brilliant. And with that being said, have an amazing weekend and have some great times ahead. Thanks, guys, and I'll see you real soon.